For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome in here to Southeastern 14. It is a episode of Jake's Takes that we're going live for here on the channel. So excited to do that tonight. Um, and hey, we got to take care of the we're going to get to all the SEC Week 11 news, notes, picks, all that. Our guest, our co-host, Jake Crane's going to be with us here shortly. But we got to take care of the bills first, guys. And that is with Bet Online, guys. We have a deal with Bet Online through the Believe Network, and uh, excited to be a part of that now. So we're going to go ahead and tell you about what they're offering to you guys. The last major sports, net, uh, the last major sport, the NBA of the year. It's off and running, and Bet Online is your home for all the trends, all of the news, all of the odds, everything you need for the NBA. College basketball is up and rolling, too, so Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action, uh, whether it's college football, NFL, UFC, NHL. It's all there, guys, in full swing. Bet Online, your number one source for wagering odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops action you want, everything is available at your fingertips with desktop and mobile app. So head on over to Bet Online today. Remember your 50% promo code with B-L-E-A-V right there believe on your 50 percent welcome bonus in your first deposit bet online where the game starts and now we are going to get started with none other than the man the myth the legend our friend uh <laughs> crane is going to come in with us jay how's it going this evening man man it's it's going great we're live i i love a live action audience uh as well but now nah, man it's it's crazy. I feel like we talk about it every week, you know, the, the way the college football season speeds by. It seems like it doesn't matter if you're a, a player, a coach, uh, a fan, or, or a member of the sports media. It, it always flies by. And, you know, we're looking at week 11 right now. But, man, what a great slate. Another weekend, another great slate. Absolutely. It's, a, it's some huge games. I mean, huge games. And and one thing before we get into these previews, Jake, um, you know, with Ole Miss and with Georgia, and that one game alone could potentially it could clinch the East and the West if if Ole Miss loses. Um, with Alabama clinching the West and Georgia would clinch the East. How Matt? How much are you going to miss, or are you going to miss the division era, not only in the SEC but in college football? And then also we'll get into the the playoff, uh, you know, scenarios with twelve teams, but. What about the divisions? Are you going to miss that element of SEC and college football? Well, from a format standpoint, no. Uh, I'm not going to miss divisions in any conference, especially the SEC. You say, why? Well, you know, I I, I guess I can see what purpose that, that they have served in the past. But if you can explain to me how Auburn and Alabama are in the West and Missouri is in the East, then I would love <laughs> to hear how that geography works out. But the biggest problem is it prevents the two best teams from playing each other sometimes uh, in the conference championship game, which that that's what the conference championship should be about. It should be about the two best teams located within that conference playing against each other for the championship uh, of, of said conference. Another great example is look at the Big Ten East. You've got Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, 
all in the same division. So it's yeah. it's basically whoever wins the division wins the championship. And sometimes it's worked out where the two best teams want to represent each side. But what, why would you take that risk? Now, I know that, that when it comes down to scheduling and this, this new format, some people aren't in love with it. But getting rid of divisions isn't the only reason that the scheduling format's changing. So, uh, I, I, again, I've, I've never really seen the purpose. I want to see the two best teams play each other. If Oregon is going to play, if Oregon and Washington are the two best teams at the end of the day in the Pac-12, I want them to play each other. If Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in the SEC, I want them to play each other. Texas and Oklahoma, so on and so forth. I think it's the best way to find out who the best team is in that conference. Uh, and I, for one, I, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. So you're not, and I know that's great in terms of getting the best teams in. You're not afraid of the, okay, losing some of these year in year out rivalries, things like that. And even with crossover games and stuff like that in the SEC, is there, is there any of the, the, the old, the old schedule format that you are going to miss at all with any of that kind of stuff. Well, that yeah, the, the, drivers. yeah, the, the nostalgia of, of, you know, some of these, I'm not going to say they're not rivalries, but kind of the peripheral rivalries, right? Yeah. Like some of those, it's not like you're sitting here losing in Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, uh, like they are in the big 12, but, but some of these ones, you know, on the periphery, maybe LSU, Arkansas, you know, something like that. But then again, we're sitting here about to preview the Ole Miss-Georgia game. I mean, these guys haven't played in what seems like forever. So I always hear people that talk about the rivalries that get taken away, but nobody talks about the rivalries that are going to be created. Some of the new rivalries that we're going to see created because of this, this geo shift in conference alignment, including the SEC, are going to be fantastic. I mean, you're telling me we're adding Oklahoma and Texas in a conference that has Arkansas, that has LSU? That has Florida. I, I mean, it's it's a great combination. So uh, again, I'm not saying don't be upset. It's not like you're never going to play either. Yeah. Oh, it's it's we're, there is a rotating basis if it's not a permanent opponent. So no, I, I think getting the best team. And I know some people are worried about the amount of tiebreakers, but hell, I would rather have a list of tiebreakers than know for sure that I'm not seeing the two best teams in the conference championship. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, two teams that are vying to get to that conference championship this year and are kind of the, the game of the week and where we'll start off with Ole Miss and Georgia. Georgia, 10.5-point favorite in this one. Uh, they're, 58 is the the total there in this game. Jake, the, the forecast, the rain is going to set in a little bit. It may be a little, little wet there in Athens, uh, so that may impact this game a little bit there. But you got Lane Kiffin's offense versus Kirby's defense. What are your thoughts on the Rebs going to take on the Dogs? Well, look, I, I think this Ole, uh, Ole Miss team, and, and we talked about this earlier in the, the week on Crane and Company, I think they're built a little bit different. I don't think this is the Ole Miss team, hey, we're really flashy on offense. We're just going to try and get through it on defense, see if we can get a couple turnovers. We may turn it over a couple times because we're going to throw it all around the yard, and we're going to try and outscore you. Uh, even though that game against LSU was kind of a track meet, it seems every game that LSU plays in is a track meet because it almost has to be because nobody's been able to stop them. I know, obviously, Bama at the end with Jaden going out, that was a different story. But I think this Ole Miss team can win a rock fight. Uh, I think that's the difference in them. Not that they're elite on defense, but this Ole Miss defense, they're top 10 in sacks. Right, they do a pretty good job, you know, turning the other team over, and they don't give the ball away. So if it turns into a a lower scoring, uh, drag them out, rock fight. It's not pretty. The weather's bad. Who's going to make the first mistake? It does seem that Ole Miss is built to be able to withstand and add in their experience what Georgia's been able to do. But the difference that I see, 
And some people blame, you know, the tempo that Ole Miss plays at and the defense having to play more plays. I don't think it's that. Uh, it's the second half kind of letdown that Ole Miss seems to have, even in wins. You know, you look at LSU, you look at Texas A&M. Uh, they were able to, in the second half, come back and kind of flip the script um, on Missouri, speaking of LSU. But Ole Miss has kind of shown the the lack of ability to put somebody away, and Georgia thrives in the second half. I mean, they Mortal Kombat finish you in the second half. They're Sub-Zero, they're Scorpion, they're shooting the hook in you from across the forest. And it seems like this team in Georgia is winning while getting better, and all of a sudden, Weapon X, Brock Bowers, I'm going to make as many superhero references as possible. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like you know they, they strapped a new uh, new ankle on him. They gave him that tightrope surgery that, that they gave Tua, hit him with that animantium, and he may play. So I think the matchup from – and two, Ole Miss is good laterally running the ball with the quarterback position, right, with Jackson Dart. Yeah. I think that's one of the strengths they have is they can beat you laterally, laterally in the run game and vertically uh, with Judkins and Dart. And it seems that Georgia has struggled with quarterbacks that are able to push them laterally. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and a couple couple things off of that that you mentioned there. So the the perimeter run game, when people get going to the outside, Missouri does it different than other teams did. They do it with a, a true stretch outside zone uh, type run. Now with Ole Miss, it may be more of a of a power read type deal that they do, or they may have that that uh, toss that they get out there to the edge and things like that. But whatever it is to get to the perimeter, tell us why you think Georgia is having problems maybe setting the edge a little bit. They've got the freaks out there. They've got they've got the talent, but it, it has been a thing that has happened a couple times this year. What what kind of goes into that in terms of yeah. making well, sure and, you set the edge? I think Ole Miss gives you that true speed sweep motion more kind of built in the RPO than than what Drink and Missouri and them do. They, they'll take Luther Burden and put him in that orbit motion behind a lot. You will see him do some jet sweep stuff, uh, jet sweep stuff. But I agree with you that the you know power read from the quarterback, Q power, things like that. Um, they do a good job mixing gap scheme and zone scheme. Well, I, I think this Georgia team and I defensively, I don't think they run sideline to sideline as well as the previous two. Not saying they're not, believe me, they are okay. running. I'm not saying Georgia is slow, but the, the amount of freaks they had on these past two defenses that it wasn't just, you're not going to base block me. You're not going to run the ball right at me. I'm going to shut down the box. It's that if you want to run the jet sweep, if you want to run outside zone, if you want to run that little, that little toss or, or that little sweep to the outside, we're good enough to run you down, too. So I think the Georgia team, while they have some guys that can run, or everybody can run, they don't run as well. And I think when that, that perimeter is able to hit, obviously it opens up everything else. It's just like in the past game. If I can take advantage of you in the short game, I can take advantage of you in the intermediate game, I can take advantage of you with the long game, the deep ball, then I'm going to be able to kind of pick where I want to go, and it makes you harder to defend me because you're defending every blade of grass. That's why I think... Uh, you know, a team like Kentucky struggled to run the ball against Georgia because they don't press you on the perimeter of the run game. It is a true in-the-box powers, you know, gap scheme runs run system uh, with a bunch of pre-snap motion uh, as opposed to a team that can move you laterally, kind of like Auburn did with Peyton Thorne a little bit in that first half, being able yeah. to press you on the inside and press you on the outside. And then, too, the, the other thing that I think most people don't realize is that sometimes Georgia, the way – because they've been so fast, as you mentioned – Jake, sometimes they'll line up with a with a head up four eye on a tackle or a head up head up four on a tackle, and they have nobody outside there because they've been fast enough in the past to fill the alley and to get there from inside out. Kirby Smart said, "Hey, a lot of times our strategy is to 
Okay, we want to bait them into thinking they can run outside and then we just stretch them to the sideline and not let them get turned up. But I think what you're talking about, not quite having the absolute same freaks in the first rounds. And again, yeah. that's not a slight. Um, it's just a little bit different. What is uh, do you what do you think uh, how weather if it's if it's wet in Athens, who do you any any particular advantage for either team? Well, I, you know, I, I think Georgia overall is better up front and, and Carson Beck has proven. I mean, him and Jackson Dart, I think, have the exact same numbers touchdown to interception ratio unless i'm mistaken they both shown the ability to, to protect the ball they do a good job of it um i i think it does favor georgia just because i think georgia's offensive line is better than Ole miss's i think georgia's defensive line is better than Ole miss that doesn't mean Ole miss can't hang out Ole miss the, the difference between them and georgia's offense is Ole miss has a quarterback they can legitimately run it and lane kiffin tr is truly a run to pass guy i mean i think some people get a common misconception oh lane kiffin wants to throw it around the yard and throw it 85 times no this isn't mike leach this isn't the air raid. Lane Kiffin wants to run the pass. It just like Lincoln Riley wants to run the pass. It just like Jeff Levy wants to run the pass. It just like 99% uh, of offensive coordinators want to run the pass. It the only teams that don't, and I've seen that are unbelievably good at it. Well, there's really one and that's Washington. So uh, if the weather's bad and it's ugly and it's grimy, I think Ole Miss can hang on, but that does kind of favor Georgia because I think that's a little bit more who's who Georgia is identity wise than Ole Miss. So what do uh, what do you think? You taking a side or and and uh, what's what's your prediction for this one? You know, I, I I'm not in love with with betting this game. I, I don't love the ten and a half. Uh, I think Ole Miss is is going to put up a pretty good fight for about two and a half quarters. Uh, I think they may even be leading at halftime. We've seen this movie with Georgia before at home and on the road. Uh, and then the second half, Georgia, it's you know G stands for gravity. It's inevitable. You know, eventually it overtakes you. Uh, I, I like Georgia to win, but if I had to, if I had to pick a side. I would take Ole Miss plus the 10 and a half, uh, and I would take the under 58. I don't think this is going to be an, an up-and-down, high-flying game. I think it's going to be more old-fashioned and physical than what than what we're used to seeing when Ole Miss is playing. Now, the the last thing before we move on from this one, the sound from uh, you know front office sports comes out today with Lane Kiffin and, and uh, yeah. uh, DeSanto Rollins. I saw your video earlier, but for people who didn't, didn't see that, obviously yeah. – uh, you feel, and a lot of people feel like Lane Kiffin just kind of told the young man how it is, but do you feel this was some kind of strategic release of this before Ole Miss's big game against Georgia? Somebody trying to get it Lane here? Man, well, you know, they say in life, timing is everything. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence right now. Look, Ole Miss goes out and handles business against Georgia. People will be asking DeSanto who, you know, whatever. And, and again, if, if people don't know, uh, this was a situation where, a player thought about transferring, then didn't transfer, got told they were moving to from defense to offense, uh, asked if it was a choice or a command, and was told, well, you either do what we think is best for the team or you can quit or transfer. And then he said he needed a mental health break, took two weeks off. The head coach asked to meet with him. He said he didn't want to meet with him. And then you're shocked when you do meet, meet with him. And you get kicked off the team. And listen, I, I know about mental health just as much as anybody. Look at the situation with my father. We dealt with it in, in my family. And I'm not downplaying, you know, the importance and seriousness of mental health. But I also live in reality. And I don't care if you're a football player who's on scholarship, by the way, and still on scholarship. I don't care if you're an accountant. I don't care if you're a salesman or if you, you work at, and you make the donuts at a Krispy Kreme. If the boss says, hey... I need to meet with you. If the, the coach says, hey, I need to meet with you. If the CEO or anybody who's above you in the hierarchy, because that's how this works, says, I need to meet with you, and you say no, 
That's not an acceptable answer. No. That's not how the world works. And you know what? Could Lane have used a little bit, you know, nicer language? I guess. But you, but sometimes it's good. A little tough love's good, right? I think it's the best thing to happen to him. Now you go out into the real world, you understand there's consequences for your actions, and you can't use it, true or untrue, as an excuse to be subordinate. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, no, I mean, I think great points there. They're We're too soft. Kind of- we treat these 18 to 22-year-olds like they're 8 to 12-year-olds. When did we start doing that? I mean, I remember back in the day, they used to drop them in Normandy over there to fight the Nazis. Now we cry when somebody tells them they're, they're soft for not making a meeting. When they got told to change position. Man, let's keep calling Absolutely. them kids. See how that works I- out for you. Absolutely. And then also, uh, you mentioned people making uh, donuts at Krispy Kreme. Those people are doing the Lord's work. So shout out to the people making donuts. Yeah, well, at I, I could have just said angels, but you yeah. know, I didn't I wanted to make it at least climactic a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Another game that, that's it, in that sign, isn't there? You know, sometimes oh, I hope sign. when I die and they're like, you know, I think I'm going to heaven, but you know, I believe in heaven. They shoot me up the tube. I just hope the first thing I've seen is one of those Krispy Kreme donut signs like, hey, it's on. And then I'm going to yeah, know it's like, on. You like have a Krispy Kreme like in your uh, in your living quarters there and in, in your in your house. You know, they, no, the it would be a Krispy Kreme. It'd be like Taco Bell and Devontae Adams. Like there would be one in there. I'd like walk in. They'd be like, "Oh, Jake, man, welcome home." Like we got some chocolate iced. I mean, that is that is absolutely popping right now. Like they're, hot. they're hot. The hot sun's on. Piping no hot. Doubt. But you know what? They're always the perfect hot though. It's my heaven, Blaine. It can be whatever version I want it. It's perfect hot where it doesn't burn my fingers. Right, but it's still melty, gooey, and delicious. Fantastic, fantastic. God, Another donuts, man. I knew I knew I shouldn't have done this. Something else that's gonna be fantastic is Tennessee and Missouri. Tennessee, this was a this opened up as a pick'em, Jake, and now it's trending towards Tennessee on the road, a point and a half favorite. Um, and we know with with home field advantage baked in that really they think, you know, Tennessee is about a five point favorite. I'm kind of surprised about that after a, you know, terrific performance from Missouri where they w- went in and, and took the back to back defending national champions to the limit, but maybe it has something to do with maybe Luther Burden's health status. Who knows? Yeah. Th- this one smells like big injury all over it, especially with the way Missouri has been playing. I, I mean, Tennessee has shown us, you know, that the capability to play a really good half on the road, Right, we also saw him play a, a pretty bad full game against Florida, and then that second half they absolutely just fell apart post Malone style uh, against Alabama. So you think it would be an injury, uh, but still, even with the injury, I, I'm leaning Missouri right now in this game. I think one yeah. of the things that has separated Missouri is is they're not just a one trick pony, and even if they were with Luther Burden, honestly, it'd be a hell of a trick. But they're not. I mean, you got Weiss Jr. on the outside as a good player. You got two capable backs. You've got an offensive line that that stepped up when they needed to. You have a quarterback in Brady Cook that's shown you the shown you the ability to show up in big games. Is he perfect? No. But he there's a lot of teams that would take Brady Cook at quarterback right now. And you look at where Missouri's sitting. Then on the flip side, I, I think Joe Milton, you know, has played it safe 
a decent amount this year, and they've done a good job protecting him with the run game. That's why his numbers, when you look at him, the, the turnovers don't jump out. Uh, but, you know, they're 75th, I think, in the country and passes attempted per game, and I would be too. Uh, when, when I ran the ball like Tennessee had and had lost what I lost at wide receiver. But when I look at this matchup, I don't trust Missouri's pass defense. I think Joe Milton can make some plays, but I think he's also going to make some mistakes on the road. There's something about playing at Como right now. Even if Luther Burden doesn't play, I've got a lot of respect for Tennessee's defense, but I have watched them get pushed around at important times, and it seems that Missouri's offense during important times really steps up to the occasion, or at least that's who they've been so far this year. So in a game that's going to be tight, even with the Luther Burden injury. Right now, I'm leading Missouri, but I like the over. If you can get it at 57, get it at 57. Uh, this feels like, uh, honestly, this feels like a, a you know, 34-30 type game to me, 34-31 type game. Uh, I'll take Missouri. I think these two teams are very similar, Jake, in terms of how they approach things. Like, obviously, there's different nuances to the offenses in terms of uh, the the speed that the hypo goes at, but drink can go up tempo at times as well. And they both like to run the ball actually more than people give them credit for. And they're very, very physical along the lines of scrimmage on both sides. I mean, I see, I see a lot of similarities between these two teams. It's almost, almost like looking to into a mirror at a certain extent in, in part of these programs. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can see that. You, you have two offensive-minded head coaches. It feels like, you know, these teams are two offensive teams, right, that that go out there. And and even though Tennessee has, has flipped the script a little bit this year uh, defensively with with what they're able to do, um, you know, when I look at, at Missouri's offense compared to Tennessee's, they're, they're totally different stylistically, right? But you do make a good point, and this is a, a common theme that we've seen. Uh, coaches that run the ball, like lasts longer. That that's just how it works. Drink knows that. Lane knows that. We can go through all these coaches that have a great passing game. But a lot of it is built off the run game. Whether that be the zone read, whether that be off the gap scheme or, or the power scheme. Like Lincoln Riley does a great job at USC. But I think what separates them a little bit is Missouri motions a lot more than Tennessee yeah. does. And well, there's a reason for that because Tennessee's operating at a very fast speed. They want to go get lined up. They want to snap the ball. Drink. I, I would say Eli Drinkowitz and Liam Cohen, the OC at Kentucky, probably do more pre-snap motioning uh, than anybody else. Um, but I do see uh, Christopher Black in the chat. Uh, I think the confidence from Ole Miss, if you don't mind, Blaine, uh, comes yeah. from, you know, they've lost one game. It was on the road at Bama. That game was kind of a dogfight. Lane seemed like he was protecting Jackson Dart from a game plan standpoint, and I mean that by they weren't running the ball as much to try and achieve balance. So it seemed like he was trying to get the ball out quick so Jackson Dart didn't get hit. Um, but I, I don't think anybody's picking Georgia to win. I just don't think this is your typical Ole Miss. Ole Miss. That, yeah, or, or, or excuse me, that Ole Miss is, is going to beat Georgia. But what I don't think you're going to see is Ole Miss go in there and just get overwhelmed. I think when it turns into a fist fight, which it will, because that's how Georgia plays, I think Ole Miss can hang in that game longer. Uh, and uh, again, well, Christopher, let me ask you this. You say Ole Miss scores 20, 20 uh, less points on the road. A lot of teams scored less points on the road. That's why it's harder to play on the road. But the goal of the game is to score more points than the other team, not see how many points you can just score on the road. So they're 8-1. and one. They can run it. They've shown the ability to somewhat stop the run. I like Georgia to win, but like I said, I like the Ole Miss to cover. Yeah, I think one thing he's talking about with the the Ole Miss, uh, <laughs> the Ole Miss confidence, uh, they tweeted out. I'm not sure this is a great decision, Jake. They tweeted out about three hours ago. The last time that uh, Ole Miss played Georgia, 
and they showed the highlights of the 45 yeah, it was like 18 and 75 they just got done burning the witches in salem that's how long well it was in, it, it was in 2016 but you know it was kirby's first year so if anybody can take umbrage to that and try to use it and, and it, it'll be old kirby smart you know that kind of stuff yeah, like, I would just out nothing but good things about georgia if i was home i thought that's what kirby was going to do after his opening press conference you know, Absolutely. he tried to like out, he tried to out Kirby, Kirby, you know, talking about oh, yeah. Lane shower was, them with compliments. Lane was just trying to be sweet as sugar over there. And that he a lot sweeter to Kirby than he was to DeSanto Rollins for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. DeSanto. Mm, old DeSanto. Oh man. Good old DeSanto. Another game that I'm looking forward to Alabama and Kentucky, uh, Alabama minus 11. But here's the thing about this. It's a noon kick at Kroger field. It's hard to go in there and get excited. I feel like if you're an elite team for a for a noon kick, um, you know, especially if their internal clock, it's eleven central kick for Alabama. They're on Central Time, so I mean, you know, that's that's early, and you're going out there, and now you've just had this big emotional build up to an LSU game that's huge rivalry. Can they be mature enough and sustain that to go in there and just not sleepwalk early against Kentucky? I guess is my question. You know, you, you're like, your first instinct is to lean that way, right? Like, oh, the LSU game, it was crazy. You're able to win. Everybody's excited. Everybody's telling you how good you are and patting you on the back, which is more dangerous than having to come back from a loss. But I think that being the, the first game, at least in my opinion, I think a lot of Alabama fans will agree with me, that was tailored. The game plan and play calls were tailored to Jalen Milrow's strengths. And yeah. that I've, it looked like Alabama had more fun to me offensively during that game and as a team than they've had all year. So I think they want to see if they can go do it again. And you heard Saban come out on McAfee and say, hey, we're going to start, you know, using Jalen Moore more in the run game. I think it's something we've been waiting on. We're like, when is this going to happen? When you start stop treating him like uh, Drew Brees and start treating him like, you know, Jalen Hurts a little bit or Blake Sims. Uh, and hearing Saban say that's a pretty scary thing. But when I look at at this matchup against Kentucky, I don't think Bama's going to lay down. I think Bama's a lot better than Kentucky overall from a personnel standpoint and schematical standpoint. But I don't think this is a good matchup for Kentucky the same way Georgia wasn't a good matchup. Yeah. I remember that whole week, everybody's saying, watch out Kentucky-Georgia. Look, Kentucky can go in there and pull it off. I'm picking Kentucky to win. That was an awful matchup for Kentucky. You say, yeah. why? Well, look at the teams that have had success running the ball against Georgia. It's teams that have a quarterback that can run, that can press on the perimeter like we talked about earlier, and they, they have a good mix of zone scheme and gap scheme, right? Those are the teams that have given Georgia the most problems. Not that anybody's given Georgia a ton of problems, but that's what's given Georgia the most problems. Well, Kentucky went up there with Ray Davis and a power gap scheme run game and a box run game. That's not going to work against Georgia. Not at all. All right, and this matchup against Alabama, it's not going to work, and Devin Leary can't run. Devin Leary's not going to keep his own read. He's not going to keep the RPO. He's not going to take off and, and keep the play alive or keep drives alive on third and long. So you're kind of pigeonholed into one thing, and Alabama's good enough and better than Kentucky enough to be able to shut them down the way that Georgia shut them down. And Devin Leary, at the end of the day, uh, turns the ball over at a very high rate when he's under pressure. Every A lot of people do, and I know he's been better the last couple games, but he does it a lot when he's under pressure. I don't trust him. I think he may throw a couple pick sixes in this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a definite possibility. I do think it's worth noting that uh, Alabama will be without Deontay Lawson and Jalen Key on defense, so they're going to have to uh, replace a couple guys over there. Yeah, but, see what yeah, aliens they put in there. See what, yeah, what, what I mean, guys from it, Mordor they have that are going to go in there and play. 
Oh yeah, their their second team, uh, Kentucky would gladly say, "Hey, you want to come wear a blue blue jersey over here and, yeah. and change change places with them." Uh, so it will be interesting to see how Brad White and Mark Stoops prepare for Jalen Milrow. The last game that we're going to get your thoughts on before we talk about a couple teams for bowl eligibility here, and uh, both of these teams are looking for bowl eligibility, so actually be a good segue into it. The Auburn Tigers going on the road to. Fayetteville to take on Arkansas. Arkansas minus two and a half over under 48. Um, you know, Arkansas changes OCs and magically uh, puts up 39 points last week. And of course, Auburn is playing a pretty, uh, pretty good brand of football right now under Hugh Freeze as well. I mean, this one, this is like, I mean, uh, this is like picking, you know, which, which one's fatter out of a pair of fat identical twins. I mean, I, I don't, it's, Again, you'd have to lean to Arkansas because it's at home, right? You know, and, and KJ Jefferson and them they, them have some confidence after what happened against Florida, which which that game shocked me honestly. If if we're going to talk about big surprises with, with the downward spiral that uh, Arkansas was in, I just still I I know Peyton Thorne was better against Vanderbilt. He had that pick six. I just don't trust him on the road yet in an environment with a pulse against a defense with a pulse. Now, I could be totally wrong, and he could go out there and have figured it out. I mean, he's you know going on year four as a quarterback. He spent yeah. three had three at Michigan State, so he's not a. It's not like he's new and fresh on the scene. But I've just got to lean now with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders and and Arkansas at home, not by a lot. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. I think it's going to be within a one score game, and Arkansas is going to score late to win it. But you know what blows my mind? How everybody's like, man, I tell you what, this Kenny Guyton guy. He's the he's the reason, right? Because you've had like the the coalescing of of two coincidences that have built momentum up at Arkansas. And I keep saying to Arkansas fans, is that could that have been the worst thing that could have happened? Like Arkansas yeah. beating Florida instead of just ripping the Band-Aid off? Because here's what Kenny Guyton did: he gave the ball to to Rocket Sanders, and and it was the Rocket Sanders in the KJ Jefferson show. Like it should have been yeah. the whole year. All right. Which, well, any we any he. He did move the pocket a little bit to his he, credit. He just did. He did, especially on third and medium, right? Which is obvious stuff. He didn't do anything crazy, right? But the book's not out on him yet. Yeah. But KJ Auburn can get to KJ Jefferson. Can they get him down? That's the problem because KJ is one of the best at shaking off tackles and making big plays. Uh, but no, I'll take Arkansas just by default because it's at home. But I do not think this is going to be a pretty game. So there are three teams in questions, and we're not going to break down the, all these games because we did just talk about Arkansas. Arkansas needs to win out to make bowl eligibility. So does South Carolina. They both have three home games in a row. Um, you know, Arkansas has this game against Auburn. They have FIU, and then they have Missouri at home. South Carolina under Shane Beamer, they uh, they play. Who do they play this week? They play. Let me look. They got Clemson coming up. They got Vandy. Okay, they got Vandy this week. They have Kentucky at home, and then they have Clemson at home. Do either one of those make that run and get get all three? Uh, Arkansas has got Missouri. South Carolina has Clemson to end the year. I'm going to say neither. Neither okay. one do. I think there's at least one loss uh, for Arkansas. Most likely, obviously, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that's Missouri uh, with the way they're playing, especially if Burden's back healthy. And then with South Carolina, they'll beat Vanderbilt because I could go get 10 other guys around my neighborhood right now to go out there and compete. Uh, at least we'll give you a quarter and a half. No, they well, you are in Nashville. You're yeah, close that's enough. what I'm saying. It's a it's a home game for both of us, bud. It's everybody wins. Uh, but uh, no, I I just Clemson with what they did to Clemson last year. I I don't think they're going to sneak up on Clemson. I know it's in Columbia, and that's a crazy place. I've coached in that environment on the road. It's tough. 
Uh, but no, I think neither one of them do. Yeah. What's up, CT? Glad to have you in here. Uh, but hey, the last one I'm going to talk about is Florida has to win one of these last three games. They're going to Death Valley uh, to face uh, the LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge at night. Uh, they also have to go to Como the week after that to take on Missouri, and then they get Florida, Florida State at State. home. Can Billy Napier get one win to get a bowl game? God, my spidey senses are just tingling off the charts that Florida's going to get Florida State hell in the swamp. Yeah. Um, but this Florida State team's grimy. I'm going to say no. No, yeah. I hate to be I hate to be a Debbie Downer. I think they go 0 for Gopher. I think they go 0 does for that, 3. Does that put him in? I mean, do you think people in the swamp might start talking about pulling the trigger after the year? They've been goes, talking about pulling the trigger on but what do you mean? He lost the first game. They're ready to they're ready to fire him in the sun. Um they'll talk about it. And then, you know, you have people like me that it's like, you know, be patient, give it time, whatever. Just like, you know, you're seeing what Mike Norvell's doing. But then you look at Florida's 2024 schedule, man. It's like getting jumped by a group of ninjas. Like when you just yeah. like walk out of the grocery store, it's just the worst. Um, I, it's going to be tough because he could go eight and four in 2024. And that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great I, I said, I said if he won eight games this year, he would be sec coach of the year. Now also one thing we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about Hugh freeze. If he wins this Arkansas game mm. and then he beats new Mexico state, which by the way, new Mexico state's not a bad football no, team. That's okay? not a walk in the it, tulips. They're not a bad football team, but if he wins those two games, uh, Hugh Freeze, and then were to magically because we know crazy stuff happens in the Iron oh, Bowl beat it. It. beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, then Hugh Freeze would be the SEC Coach of the Year, hands down, because of that mess that he took over to win eight games. I mean, are you kidding me? That would be huge. Yeah, and Billy I mean, Napier, we have people, next year yeah, people in in the men in black outfits would be showing up to his house and stuff. That's always laugh and like and look. I give James Franklin and Penn State a hard time because we just see the same movie every year, like we're gonna see Saturday. But, like, James Franklin, I don't think people realize he should always have a head coaching job. The man won nine games twice at Vanderbilt. Like, that's like you should get an infinity stone for that. Like, there should be some sort yeah. of plaque somewhere important. But, no, yeah, well, just, there's a little nugget to remember. Don't ever forget. Well, we talked about having a, a Krispy Kreme or a Taco Bell in your in your house when you get to heaven. I mean, I'm sure those are some crowns in heaven uh, built up for him when he, when he gets there to be able oh, to Oh, God. Anyway. Like, he's if anybody has earned a Krispy Kreme up there, it's James Franklin for sure, without a Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. Well, Jake, we're going to wrap up here. So tell them, uh, tell them what you got going on with Craning Company this weekend, man. Yeah, man, come check us out. Uh, we're growing like a weed. Hit over 100,000 uh, subs the other day. Um, but, uh, no, you can find us on YouTube at CRAIN and company. It's very easy. Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's on the daily wire. We go live each weekday morning, six 30 to 8 a.m. Central seven 30 a.m. To 9 a.m. Eastern. Those are the only two time zones I know. So if you live in another, another one, you have to figure it out. Live calls. Um, and, uh, no, actually, uh, 007 Michigan. I did not, uh, take the ESPN hot take. One thing you say about me. I'm gonna tell you, good, bad, or indifferent, what I think about it. That's true. Nobody's been harder on Auburn than me. Um, just the Harson hostage crisis is over, and it's nice to see the sun again. I can, I can tell you that without watching. So he was, he was just assuming. He was assuming. Mm, well, you know what that, you know what that turns us into or, or makes out of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, y'all be now, good. Jake, I appreciate, I appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for, thanks everybody for tuning in. We will catch you guys next time right here. 
okay, and he's gone. I don't know what happened. We'll catch you next time right here on Southeastern 14. Thank y'all for tuning in. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.